For many of us, there is one thing we look forward most to, and that is to be restored back to the presence of the Father, to the face-to-face -face that we had initially when He walked among us in the Garden of Eden. But many of us have been taught that while we are now in this new world, outside the garden, separated from Him, we ought to live by the principles of this new world. And we have missed that we are actually standing at the brink of a restoration of the garden back to us. And in this process, this restoration process, the gospel of the kingdom actually calls us to live as if we are in the Garden of Eden, even though we are to still be restored back to the fullness of God's presence. You see, when we think about really what happened in the garden, we were in the perfect presence face to face with God. He walked among us. But as we were kicked out and angels were sat before the gate of the garden, guarding it with a flaming sword to the left and right, we see that we are now kicked out into this new garden, a new type of garden that has new types of plants. In fact, the curse that God declares over man is he says that now you will toil and labor in this garden, but it will bring forth thorns and thistles. In other words, a literal meaning is that we will now labor hard for us to eat and survive. We and it will be the world will work against us in many ways. It will be unfair and things will go wrong. The thorns and thistles of the world that has come in initially because we listened to the wrong voice, the voice of Satan in the garden. Think about it. Thorns and thistles, they, they weren't in the Garden of Eden. Because see, the, the garden itself was created by the Father speaking. It was the voice, the word of God that created all of the Garden of Eden and creation. And as it went forth to create, it planted seeds. And, and plants sprung up from those seeds and it was a fruitful garden. And in the same way, I want to submit to you that we are to be plants. We are to grow up to become a tree that is to bear much fruit. And see, it is when we hear the word of God that his word goes forth and plants a seed in our hearts. But the question of what our plant is going to become will hinge on what we do with the word we have heard. That will determine whether this seed grows up into a fruitful plant or a diseased tree that bears no fruit. In fact, we could even listen to a completely different voice instead of the father's voice. Listen to the voice of the enemy who comes and whispers all types of lies and deceit. And as we hear him and his seeds are planted and we start obeying him, a different type of plant grows that brings forth thorns and thistles. You see, for us to really understand this further, 
We need to look at the ministry of Jesus. You see, Yeshua spoke regarding this very matter in detail. In fact, Yeshua describes four different types of seeds in Matthew chapter 13. The first of which is he speaks regarding a seed that falls along the path. And this is like the one who hears the word of God, but does not understand it. And the enemy comes to steal away that seed. When we hear the word, the seed is planted, but we do not receive understanding because we are not on the path of righteousness. We're not on the way, the truth and the life. We are alongside of it. And as we are alongside of it, we do not receive the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit, Yeshua, brings us. Another type of seed is one who falls on rocky ground. This is like one who hears it and initially takes joy in the word of God. Like one who has promised that this will change their life and they get excited. And as they do, suddenly when persecution comes, they fall away because they had no root. The ground was rocky. Because see, they signed up for a gospel that sounded easy, but when it became difficult, they were not truly sold out and could not truly stay. And another type of seed that Yeshua talks about is a one that falls among thorns. This is like the man who hears the word, but yet when he hears it, the cares of the world and the deceit of riches comes and it suffocates the seed thorns. They're like weeds. They're like a they're they're like a plant that attacks other plants. In fact, in Matthew 13, 25, Yeshua even speaks of an enemy who enters a field and scatters all types of tares so that it causes the sowers to become nervous about their harvest. And now as we look upon this, we could see that this is like how the enemy comes into our lives and decides he wants to sow distractions, sow temptations of riches and deceit of this world so that we are choked, so that we are smothered by them so that we cannot grow up to bear good fruit. But see, the last type of seed that Yeshua talks about is one that falls on the good soil. And he says that as this is like one who hears the word and it act and he understands it and it actually grows up to bring forth hundredfold, sixtyfold, fold, 20 fold. It will bring forth more. It will reproduce. But he says, look, this is dependent upon one thing, and it is not whether they heard the word of God, because notice how he says for every type of these seeds that fall on every type of place, they all are people who did hear the word. But the problem with them were where the seed fell. You see, when they came to Yeshua, they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? This is really a question that is broader. What is the most important thing that man needs to know about worshiping God? And he comes and he says, the greatest command is hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He starts reciting something known as the Shema. You see, he starts with saying the first step is to hear. But yet 
As we discussed, all of these other seeds, they represent men who have heard. So it is good to hear that he is God. But that is only the first step. That is only what plants the seed. But now the question is, now that you have heard, what will happen next? Yeshua goes on and he says, not only hear, this is the Lord. But he says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. You see, he speaks and says it's not enough to just hear about him. It's not enough to just know about him. It is not enough to even walk in the same garden as he did. Adam and Eve had all of these things. But what you need to understand is you need to love him all that you've got. You need to love your neighbor because that is also an expression of your love for him. And in these things, he says that this is what the Torah and the prophets hang from love. In other words, love is not just for you to have a feeling towards God. It is not for you to just have a feeling towards your neighbor. It is about whether you do that which hangs from love. Love is a feeling. Love is a, a, an emotion, right? But it is more than that. Love is an action. Love is when I don't feel like it, but I do it anyway, because that's how I express true love. Love is God saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. If whatever you do to the least of these men, you do unto me. Love me through them. You see, brothers and sisters, what we have seen now is that the good soil is the Shema. The good soil is to hear and then to obey. And it is when we obey the word of God, we actually start growing into a plant that starts producing good fruit because it is by the fruit that you will know them and that they will know you. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. In Matthew 7, 24, Yeshua speaks about this man who goes and he builds his house on the rock. And he says, this is the man who hears and does the word of God. You see, but he says there's another type of man, another type of person who hears the word, but he builds his house on the sand because he does not do the word. And then the flood came and the winds came and it beat upon that house and it fell apart. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you some of us without even realizing it, even though we've been zealous for his law and his word, even though we can be so radical about his word and what his word says, we can tell everyone about what his word says. We can study it. We can repeat it. We can point the finger at those who do not do it. But then when it comes to our houses, even our own houses have been built on nothing but sand, because even though we've heard it, and we've proclaimed it. We stood on stages and, and, and talked talk to our friends and fellowships. Actually, we do not do it. Actually, there is no good fruit that we actually have. You see, it's easy. It's easy to spread seeds. 
It's easy. You, you take seeds, you go into a garden, you just throw it around and it falls in all kinds of places. But the question is going to be, will you take care of the seeds that have fallen? You see, God has planted a seed in your heart. That is his word. But are you going to take care of that? Hearing it was the easy part. It was by God's mercy and his grace. But now the question is going to be, will you be a tree that bears good fruit? You see, you know, what we don't understand, I think sometimes is that, you know, the Holy Spirit, his name is holy. Right. And, and his name meaning holy means that it's set apart. He is the set apart spirit. That means that you must live in a holy set apart life and set apartness is not about because you heard something just because you received a revelation. You think no one else had is not the thing that made you set apart. Listen, this we need to get this just because you think you know something about God and no one else knows that does not set you apart as special and holy. It is whether you do what the Lord has called you to do and consider others as better than yourself always. But see Yeshua, he spoke regarding this in Luke 13 and he spoke he gives a parable. He says there is a man. He comes and he says, I, I have seen this tree, this fig tree for three years now, and it hasn't bore any fruit. And he says, let's just cut it out. But yet the gardener comes and he says, well, you know what? We give it one more year. We put some manure around it. We fertilize it. And after a year, if there is no fruit on this tree, we will cut it out. You see, brothers and sisters, I want to submit to you that for some of us, we are like that fig tree. We have grown up in the Lord. We feel mature. But yet, even though we're a grown tree that ought to be bearing a lot of good fruit, there's no fruit on that tree of ours. And see the father, he's walking among our tree and he's looking at it and he is saying to himself for three years, this tree has bore no fruit. I should cut this tree out of my garden because see the justice of God speaks and says that. But then the mercy of God comes and says, well, you know what, actually, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show her mercy. I'm going to give her one more year. I'm going to get her, give her fertilizer. I'm going to give her everything she needs to grow. There will be no excuse anymore. And then if she does not grow after that year, I will come and I will cut this tree out to the root. But why? Why do we cut out a tree out of a garden? that bears no fruit because it's just taking up space. You see, for some of us, that's where we are. God has given us everything we need to bear good fruit, but we are like someone who just takes up space because our fruit in his kingdom has come to nothing. And it's interesting because the words he uses, he says that, well, if it bears fruit next year, then well and good. Does that sound familiar? 
Are those not the words that each and every one of us long to hear one day? We have repeated it in our churches and crowded from the, the rooftops saying, Oh Lord, let me just hear, well done and good and faithful servant. I have entrusted you if a little, but enter the presence. I'm giving you more. That's what we all desire to hear. But see what he is drawing this connection. He's saying, if this tree bears good fruit next year, then well done and good. But see if some of us want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, yet we have not done anything for his kingdom. We want to hear those words, yet we bear no fruit on our trees. We are not faithful with the little he's given us. You see, brothers and sisters, don't get me wrong. Listen, he tells us, he says, look, I have given you little. Be faithful, be a good steward of the little I've given you. And if you're faithful with the little you have, look, he's not. It's not like God is saying, hey, you need to do a lot. You need to you need to turn the world upside down. He's saying, no, I'm entrusting you with a little something. And I want you to do something with that little that I have given you because my spirit is here to empower you, to call on your name, to to encourage you, to to be with you. But will you step into that and bear good fruit? Will you Shema? Will you be the seed that has fallen on good soil? See, another reason that we would cut out a tree out of our garden or any kind of a plant is simply because, well, it makes our garden look bad. If you walked into a garden and you saw a lot of dead plants that just seem diseased, it makes the whole garden look terrible. In fact, a good gardener would go and those who are beyond repair, he would cut out and he would plant new seeds so that this garden would not be drawn down by the few diseased plants. And see, in the same way, God cuts out people from his garden who do not bear good fruit, because what it does is it he if he does not do that, he would be allowing hypocrisy to flourish because a person who says, I have heard the word of the Lord, a person who says, oh, the word of the Lord is good, but yet he has no action and he does not bear good fruit is a man who is a believer only in word. And that means that their action is rotten to the root and the person from outside who looks at this garden of the Lord will see this, this diseased tree and say, I don't want to be a part of this garden. I don't want to be a part of this kingdom, but see God is creating. He's restoring back the garden of Eden in this world. And he wants to do it through you and me, but it means that we need to become plants that are worthy to make up that garden. We ought to be a garden that is worthy of his presence, a garden where our master will walk by. And when he evaluates our tree, he sees the fruit is good. Brothers and sisters, I want to take you back just a little bit to something that happened with Yeshua. We ourselves, let me just say this, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, are we not? And we know that the temple actually is a picture of the Garden of Eden. That is why when we look at the temple inside of it, it is decorated like a garden. We see the veil was angels were embroidered upon it like the angels who were guarding the gates back into the Garden of Eden. The temple housed the presence of God like the Garden of Eden housed the presence of God. 
And so now we see Yeshua walking in Mark 11, verse 11. And it says he entered Jerusalem and he went to the temple and it says that he looked around at everything. He's looking at this tree. He's looking at this garden. He's observing this temple to see whether it is bearing good fruit. And we see three verses later that Yeshua is with this fig tree and he curses the fig tree, stating you will never bear fruit again. And of course, we know that fig tree would later die. But in the very next verse, Yeshua is at the temple yet again, throwing over tables of money changers, rebuking Pharisees, for allowing this temple to come to ruin, for this temple to be defiled, for this temple to not bear the good fruit that it ought to have been bearing. You see, brothers and sisters, God is making a parallel. He's saying this temple was like that fig tree who was bearing no good fruit. And that's why I came to tear it down. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, we ought to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be a tree of life that brings life to people around us. That is a temple that houses the Holy Spirit, where the living waters flows from and where people encounter the presence of God. That is the good fruit that our father expects and desire of our temples to become, but not for us to be one that is in the world one that is concerned with money and wealth, that is concerned with deal, doing dealings of the world inside or just on the porches of a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. My question really to you is today is, yes, you are living in this, this garden of, of, of weeds, you are among people who have darkness inside of them. But the question is going to be, will you live as if you are in the Garden of Eden? Will you produce good fruit in the midst of this dark world? Because the Holy Spirit has been given for this very purpose to do a miracle, to empower you, to change you so that others can look at this garden of God, even in the midst of this dark world, that that this, that this garden of God becomes such a beacon of light that they would say, how can I have a piece of this fruit? How can I become a part of this? But it is as Yeshua said, not all of you are holy when he was speaking of Judas. You see, when we look at the Torah, there is a story that many of you may be familiar with. The rebellion of Korah is how he goes forth to bring up a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And the way he does this is interesting. Notice what he tells everyone. He says in number 16, three, they assembled together against Moses, Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far because all in the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Korah said, well, look, they have all heard the Lord's word. They have all received commandments. They they're all holy, right? All of them, every one of them. Who are you, Moses? Who are you? But see, what Korah didn't understand is that the Shema has two parts to it, not just one. The Shema isn't just to hear. O Israel, the Shema is love the Lord and love your neighbor. 
And what Korah did and what the rest of Israel did is they were good at hearing the word of the Lord. And that's what we're good at. We're good at hearing and even repeating the word of the Lord. But it's a whole different thing to obey the word of the Lord. And so when we look at what Korah was, he was part of a totally different type of seed. The very same seed that was sown in the garden when Satan spoke to Adam and Eve to bring about that fall. A word that says, oh, you are all holy and I will make you all like gods yourselves. The seed of the enemy is scattered upon people. And when they hear and obey the enemy's voice, they become agents of the enemy and they become agents that masquerade even among believers, just like that seed of the enemy is scattered in the harvest among the seeds that are good. But yet what we see is even that this enemy thinks that he is a good plant. I mean, look at Korah. Korah goes and, and when Moses challenges and says, well, look, we will let the Lord decide on this thing, whether you are anointed or whether he has chosen me. We will bring censors before the Lord and we will see who he chooses. And Korah goes ahead with that. He doesn't even bat an eye. He doesn't think to himself, well, maybe God is not actually with me. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe God will judge me. He is convinced himself in his own mind as much as he's tried to convince others that he himself is anointed, even though he was of a totally different kind of seed. And so when he stands before God, he and his men, the earth opens up and swallows them all. And Israel, they witness what happens. They are struck with a fear and distraughtness. They couldn't see that well, Korah was of a different seed. They couldn't see that he was a, a tear. Korah was like a weed that tried to choke Moses and God's leaders out of their leadership so he could self appoint himself. But see, what does Israel do? Because they do not witness any of this. They go the next day and they complain to Moses and Aaron. The word says in Numbers 16, 41, the next day, all the congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. What happened with Israel is 14,700 of them died because they complained. You see, brothers and sisters, there are some of you that is one complaint away from death because you have been eating of the wrong tree. You see, Korah grew up to become a tree of the enemy, a tree that was not bearing good fruit at all. But Israel couldn't see that. And they started eating of him because he had words that were smooth words that he was charismatic. He sounded like a good leader. It sounded like he could sort us all out and, and save us all from what Moses has been up to because Moses is, is not such a good speaker. Likely Moses is a weaker looking man in the flesh. So why would God choose Moses? Let's see, God chooses those who we do not expect. And we need to be very careful not to judge with our flesh why God chooses whom he chooses, how he does what he does by his spirit, because it usually is totally different from what we expected. 
Are we going to be grumblers and complainers over the very things we do not understand because we live in our flesh and eat of wrong trees? Or will we repent and say, Lord, we will hear you. We will not only hear, but we will obey you. And Lord, we will ask for your Holy Spirit, O God, to give us your discernment and wisdom so we can follow your ways instead of the ways of the world instead of the ways of even religious leaders who have propped themselves up into places that you have not lifted them into. You see, this is what happened in the first century. There was a number one enemy of Yeshua, of Jesus, and it wasn't the sinner. It wasn't the drunkard, the prostitute, the liar, the thief or the murderer. It was the religious leaders of his day, those who were supposed to tend after that very temple of the Lord, those who were the ones who actually placed themselves in those positions, sought their own glory, and yet were then threatened by John the Baptist, Yeshua, and the apostles who came after them. You see, brothers and sisters, God comes and he is going to choose us to do his work if we bear good fruit. And if we ch he chooses us, we would likely find ourselves to feel like Moses did, like Peter did, like Paul did, like all of these chosen men of God throughout the scriptures who were men who felt alone a lot of times, who felt betrayed by men, who men rose up against and complained about. But yet they had to keep their eyes on Yeshua because he was the most important thing to them above the opinions of man. You see, this is a lonely walk. It's a, a narrow road that few find. But if you stay on this narrow path and if you allow your tree to receive the fertilizer, if you will, to receive the food, the Holy Spirit that it will need for it to bear good fruits of the spirit, then he will work in you. It is not by your works, your own, your own struggles, your own deeds, your own works without, apart from his spirit will never be enough and you will always struggle. You will try to, to, to work towards looking like Yeshua and God and you will have a good heart behind it. And that is that is a good intention. However, what you do need is you need the master to come and say, let me tend to this plant for another year. And so I want to submit to you that for many of us, this is our last year. For many of us, this is the year where the Lord has said, I'm giving you another year. You have borne no good fruit, but this is your year. This is the year that I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you spiritual gifts. I'm going to give you fruits of the spirit like you've never had before. But the question is going to be, will you just hear? the word that I am speaking to your heart today? Are you just going to hear the seed that I'm planting into your heart this day? Or will you obey? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, he is one. But you shall love the Lord your God of all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
May the Father come. Lord, I pray that you would come and just anoint your people with your Holy Spirit, your power. I pray, Lord, that you would, there are some of us, Lord, who feel like we are not bearing good fruit. And I pray, Lord, right now, brothers and sisters, if you're listening to me and that's you, I want you to repent in your heart right now for that. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come to these repentant hearts and that you would come and make a, put a new spirit within them. And you, I pray for your mercy to come and say one more year. And I thank you that your Holy Spirit is going to do the impossible because with man, what we are speaking about today is impossible. But Father, for you, all things are possible. And so, God, I ask that you would come and do the impossible in your body, Lord. There are so many of us who are full of knowledge and revelations, and we have been puffed up because of those things. And God, I ask that you would come and change their hearts, wreck their hearts, remove hypocrisy from our midst, and help us to be like you, Yeshua. Help us to be a tree that bears good fruit. Help us to become a temple of the Holy Spirit, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. If this message has blessed you, consider subscribing to stay up to date for next week's video. Like this video because it really helps us to promote it. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have made this video and every other teaching this month possible. You can find out more about partnering with this ministry by visiting riseonfire.com. Shalom.